You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcasts interview with Dr. Yuri Rogel, the Director of Research at the Grantham Institute at Imperial College and also at the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis. How have you prioritized your work? A key part of how I go about doing my research is being involved in policy discussions, policy conversations, and also by following the international climate negotiations very closely. Actually, I started my research career as a part of as part of the presidency of the international climate negotiations in 2009. And also after that, I then remained a advisor to uh, country delegations in the international negotiations, particularly uh, small island development states or least developed countries. And that really helped me to kind of get a sense of what, what the real questions are that they are struggling with, what, is the key, what are the key research needs that they do, which questions do they need answers to. And that then also helped me prioritize, knowing what is being discussed in the international climate negotiations, knowing which for which for which aspects there is no information available for example before the paris agreement was agreed in 2015 there were over 100 countries that were calling for a more stringent limit so instead of limiting warming to two degrees they were calling to limit warming to 1.5 however when looking at the literature and the scientific literature there was no research being done on pathways that were reducing emissions sufficiently deeply to limit warming to 1.5. And so that, for example, was one of the key gaps in knowledge that, that I identified. And then in, in the years um, before the Paris Agreement, I was one of the only ones to publish on that topic in response to this gap in knowledge. And what are your feelings now? I mean, since Paris and since we've just come out of COP26, you know, about feasibility, what's been achieved or what can be achieved? I think over the past couple of years, we have seen a really interesting, um, a really interesting evolution and really interesting shift, uh, a societal shift. I think until the the Paris uh, summit, the COP21 in Paris, it was almost like the UN and the UN Forum was leading the world in setting ambitious climate targets that were way ahead of where the societal conversation was. In the, in the past five years, I have the feeling this has shifted quite a bit with now both civil societies, youth movements, but also equally business and even industry calling for targets that are even more stringent that, than the targets that are being discussed in, in the international climate negotiations. So really looking at the most ambitious end of limiting warming to 1.5. And why is that important? That is because whether we consider something to be feasible or not depends on a, on a, on a series of things. There are things that we as scientists, we can answer confidently ourselves based on evidence, for example, whether within the laws of thermodynamics, physics, and, and, and chemistry, we can actually limit warming to 1.5 degrees, whether we have the technologies to do so, whether um, it is econom economically possible to, uh, to limit warming to those low levels. And there we can, with, with our scientific expertise, we can confidently say that it, it might be possible. But there are other dimensions that make things feasible or possible that we as scientists do not affect, and that and, and who, which lie in society. 
for example, question whether our political institutions are able to, to generate the change that is necessary or whether society is willing to take up and, ch and change its behaviors to the, the degree that is necessary to limit warming to 1.5. And there, it is these latest developments, or in, it, it are these two latest dimensions, so the institutional and societal feasibility, where I think the evolution in the, in the past couple of years is particularly reassuring. So we see society being much more active, much more aware of the climate change problem, and also much more vocal about doing something about it. And that is ultimately essential to finding solutions uh, that work for each community and each society. Yes, and you've spoken about before, I, I, before it was um, that society has made huge sacrifices. We are, obviously have to respect that, but I think that there is this change and you would probably have a better feeling of it, that they, they're really understanding it's not a sacrifice, it's an intelligent decision, and it's really just how we ha have to change and evolve and adapt. Absolutely. It, first of all, it becomes more and more clear that, and, or, or society becomes more and more aware that dealing with climate change is not a, there is no other choice. We need to deal with it. And there is also an increasing understanding that ensuring that we limit or limiting climate change to low levels of warming is actually not a sacrifice, but it's rather a desirable future. It's something that will bring welfare and well-being to our um, societies in our community. Of course, the transition is always difficult and there are winners and losers, but such transitions, such, such changes from the current status quo can be designed in a way to bring everybody along, to also to, for example, shield poor and vulnerable populations of being negatively impacted by higher, higher prices or higher energy prices or higher food prices. One can make, one can make policies that ensure that these communities are indeed not left behind. Exactly. And as you say, it is, it's a question of design and engineering. And if we apply our intelligence to that, you know, as we're seeing now, and as you've studied some of the most vulnerable and impoverished societies also have, you know, could benefit by so much by greater infrastructure with, in terms of their solar resources, which Far, far outstrip those in other countries. So are what promising solutions or progress structurally or in terms of new technologies are you most hopeful about and interested in seeing us pursue as a society? Yeah, so the interesting and the challenging part of this transformation, this low carbon transformation, is that no, no sector is really off the hook. So we really need to think about technologies and, and, and solutions in, in all aspects of our lives. And I think the most exciting ones are those that do not just deliver a benefit for the climate, but deliver many other benefits for other aspects in or, or other aspects that we as a society care about. And these these co-benefits or, or these additional benefits can be can be small or 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 really essential or central to, to the solution itself. One example is the delivery of clean power. In many areas, particularly poor and, and, and isolated areas, providing 
providing energy, providing clean energy, the cheapest way today is through solar, solar photovoltaics. So that is already not, not only is that the environmentally most friendly way of producing energy, it is also the, the, the cleanest in terms of air pollution and other and 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 other sustainability aspects in many places poor populations are still using traditional biomass which not only is extreme extremely bad for indoor air pollution and for public health particularly of women and children but on top of that also leads to forest degradation and deforestation in in several areas uh, another example is is of course just switching between combustion engines and electric vehicles in cities, where also there we, we have a reduction in air pollution and, and, and does an improvement in, in air quality and, and benefits to public health. But equally, we, we see a reduction in noise, which is often a, an aspect that we don't consider so often. And, and, other, and, and, and a last example might be the, the use of, of, of new agricultural practices, where, for example, approaches like agroforestry can can result in increased yields or, and, or in, in practices that are more resilient to climate impacts and climate disturbance, while at the same time also taking up carbon from the atmosphere and contributing to a low carbon uh, future. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved with One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.